श्री गुरु वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाए हरि नाम प्रभु की जाए गौर प्रेमानंदे दिस मॉर्निंग वी टॉक्ड अ लिटिल बिट अबाउट नाम संकीर्तन नाम धर्म ऑफ चैतन्य महाप्रभु एंड हाउ ही रिवील्ड द सिग्निफिकेंस ऑफ जगन्नाथ लॉर्ड ऑफ द यूनिवर्स एज द नेम मींस एंड हाउ देयर आर डिफरेंट कंसेप्शंस ऑफ Jagannath held by different religious sects all of whom he caters to to one extent or another but the way in which he showed himself the way in which he responded to the heart of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in that he has revealed his own heart this Jagannath is he says Daru Brahma Brahman the great reality in wood form form of a deity very large deity in the seaside town of jagannath puri his eyes are wide no eyelashes always open wide and looking his arms are tucked in almost like deformed so he's kind of hard to figure out <laughs> and uh, as i say many different religious sects worship him regard him in different ways and so forth but chetanamapu was drawn out a very charming idea he drawn out the very heart of jagannath seeing his apparent deformed condition as a state of ecstasy his eyes wide always looking looking for radha's love he's a log floating in ocean of radha's prem <laughs> that's what he is So Jagannath Puri then Mahaprabhu showed that it represents Dwaraka Dwaraka of course was the capital of prince Krishna from where he went for example to Kurukshetra and spoke Bhagavad Gita and a fortified place Dwaraka city that was decorated by the gods and goddesses they all gave a gift to Krishna he's from the pasture actually this is his home land he's a gopa a cowherd only but he became a prince it's a great story how the cowherd became a prince and the big city mathura and there took all of the inhabitants of mathura overnight he moved the whole city and everybody overnight to dwarka and there as i say the gods and goddesses they all gave gifts and the city was extremely opulent and there he resided with many many queens under eight queens under eight palaces one for each queen and lived a very opulent life most of the time he manifests forearms which is a godly manifestation majesty other worldly invoke some reverence respect regard create some distance between the devotee and the object of devotion when such majesty is his manifest so this was his standard in dwarka when he departed from there on different occasions for military exploits in relation to the demonic and he would show great power also in kurukshetra the battlefield there he spoke the gita very wise uh, upanishadic speech 
And so this is, in a sense, a very different Krishna than the Krishna of the pasture, land of the forest, the Vrindavan Krishna, cow herder. So Dwarka and Vrindavan, they're very different. Same person, but in a different mood, and that mood is dependent upon whom he's with. So a different type of devotees, a different standard of devotion, drawing that out of him. So this Chaitanya Mahaprabhu showed that this Jagannath Puri, where he resided for many years, this is a representative of Dwarka. And at the same time, it's Dwarka, but Dwarka on, on tilt, so to speak. The whole place is on tilt because he's in Dwarka, Krishna, but he's leaning towards Vrindavan and the Prem of Radha and the inhabitants of Brajalok. He's leaning there. So the whole place is in a kind of a suspended animation with the thought that he may leave, then what? If he hears too much about that, you see he becomes immobile. He becomes frozen and stunned in his arms and limbs. He becomes incapacitated and in a trance and so forth. So try to keep that to... <laughs> That to a minimum, any kind of talk of Braj. But here in this Puri, it's Dwarka, but it's Dwarka on tilt because it's got his ear and his mind is reeling and going in that direction. That's why he looks the way he does. Of course, and there are many stories told by different devotees expressing the reality of this as it appears to them in their hearts. So, so many different descriptions of this uh, Jagannath and how he is Krishna and Dwarka leaning towards. Vrindavan. As I said the other night, the stories are different, the details are often different, and you may wonder, well, was it this way, or did it happen that way? And the answer is it happened to all of these ways. And what you are to hear and learn from all these stories is the spirit of it, the bhava of it, the mood of it. The devotees have a mood, a bhava, an ecstatic trance of remembrance and experience of the leela. And so then they try to relate it in language and so forth, and tell a story, and comes out a little differently each time, but it's the same story over and over again, emphasizing the feeling of it. So, so I want to say the story's been told in a lot of different ways, all by the followers of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Though he brought out the essence, they've described it in different ways to catch our attention, to try to draw us within, and, and so forth. It's, uh, again, Dwarka, but Dwarka on tilt. It's the meeting of these two, Vrindavan and Dwarka, opposites as they are, one very regal, royal place of majesty, and the other just a barren, not a barren, but a pasture land, forest, both uh, two ends of the spectrum, and coming together. They cannot fully come together. That is not possible. But they meet like a train crash like two trains. They're going in a different direction, but somehow they come around and crash. And that's disaster. <laughs> so Jagannath's like that. He's been in a train crash, trying to head towards Vrindavan, but he's in Dwarka, and it's just not working. <laughs> and everybody's concerned about it. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has shown this. And so the Jagannath temple, the Jagannath deity, and in the Jagannath Ratha Yatra, this festival then, Jagannath comes out of his palace and gets on his chariot and he goes somewhere. And so where is he going? 
This is where he's going. This is what Mahaprabhu was told. In Jagannath Puri, this is happening for centuries, this festival. Until Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came there. No one could fully understand what the deity was doing. Godbrother of mine once many years ago in Los Angeles, he approached me one day. It was during the time of the Rathiatra. Devotees were preparing for the Rathiatra there. And uh, I was visiting. And um, at that time, the deity of Jagannath is two weeks before is taken out of the temple and put in separate quarters. And there he is uh, considered to have gotten a cold and gets infusions of fruit juice and whatnot. And he's absent from the temple at that time. When this would happen in Puri, then Mahabhu would feel great pain of separation from Jagannath. At any rate, this time, the godbrother, he approached me, he said, with real enthusiasm, he said, as the day of Rathiyatra approached, he said, on this day, we know what's on the deity's mind. <laughs> Think about it, because there he is standing there all the time. You don't know what he's thinking. You don't even know what you're thinking. Your mind is just going in so many directions. <laughs> it's hard to... Why you're thinking it, or... <laughs> Is there any reason to it, and so forth. And sometimes we might try to focus that he has a mind, what's on his mind, am I on his mind? Could I get on his mind? What could I do to get on his mind? How could I attract his attention? Something like that. That's how we should be thinking. But to know what he's thinking, that's pretty confidential. It seems even harder because he seems like maybe he doesn't think people think he's just a stone or something like that. But no, it's not like that. He does think, he does have a mind, he does have a heart. So he said to me, this day we know what he's thinking. I thought it was a good good realization. Yes, this day we know. So this is a very special day then, Pratyatra. And we know, of course, how? We know by the grace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. This uh, Narutam Das Thakur prays, Sri Chaitanya Manobishtam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Sayam Rupakadamayam Dadati Svapadanti Kam. He prays to Rupa Goswami. When by the grace of Rupa Goswami, we'll the real inner idea of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, his heart, appear in, in my heart when I can really understand that, by which he could understand about Jagannath. As I say, it was a very much uh, not well understood festival. So imagine the whole thing's going on for centuries and, and half the people involved don't know really what it's all about. They've got some partial idea and so forth. And this young lad, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, was a sannyasi, comes to town and reveals what the whole thing's about. Who is Jagannath? Where he's going? Why he's going? Huge theological, spiritual event in the history of the world. So, to understand his heart, in that Rathi after festival, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu would go and would dance, lead the kirtan and dance. And sometimes he would sing a secular song from secular Ras Shastra, the poetic uh, scriptures. And uh, people couldn't understand, why is he singing a, an ordinary uh, love song? This is a spiritual festival. He's singing a mundane love song. But Rupa Kasami could understand what he was singing, what was in his heart. He wrote his own verse then, describing what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was thinking when he quoted that secular verse. You see, when Prem reaches a certain point, then everything becomes Udipana. A stimulus for the stai dominant emotion to rise like waves in the ocean and cause rasananda. So even he could hear, the point being, an ordinary love song. 
we were this year in Vrindavan and we were going to Terkadamba. Nandar Swami was taking us there, a group of us. As we approached, there was some secular music playing. We could hear as we got closer. Some secular love songs. <laughs> so Marsh became a little concerned because he was telling such a nice sadhu who's living there and, and so forth. And he said, oh my God, when we're not here, he's playing secular love songs. It's a little embarrassing. <laughs> I thought, well, you know, he's probably got something else on his mind. You know? <laughs> if he's listening to that song, he's probably thinking something else. As it turns out, it wasn't a distance. It was somewhere else. And it wasn't coming from Terakadamba itself, but in the distance. But such thing is possible. It's difficult to understand the Vaishnav. As I said before, we were talking about renunciation and how it's part of love, but it's the underground part. It's like the roots of the tree, which, you know, when you look at the fruit, then you don't think of the root, right? There's a big, big difference. It's very much in the background. And sometimes it doesn't show itself. It's not apparent. Roy Ramananda is a good example. Who could be more renounced than him? But he conducted himself in a way such that people wouldn't think he was renounced. So it's difficult to understand the Vaishnav. Shuddha Vaishnav, his heart, her heart, motive is everything. And because of the nature of Prem, as I say, it enables us to have a friendly relationship with everything. There's nothing we have to run away from. It involves a stepping back from the world for a moment to see it for what it's not and then enter into it for what it is. So we can relate and to relate with all things. So there's no uh, overt uh, necessarily no overt expression of renunciation. The renunciation may be covert. Sometimes it's overt for the sake of teaching. The Goswamis of Vrindavan lived an overtly renounced life, but they did it at a time in which the standard religious conception was uh, the monopoly almost on spirituality was held by the Smartas and the Dwaitans, and um, these Dwaitan sannyasins were very renounced, only bathing in the river and so forth, and uh, and it's Gan Mark, so this is it. Renunciation is the be-all and end-all of their spirituality. Here, Mahabrabhu's followers are coming to teach us love songs about Radha Govinda and taking prasad and nice foods and so many things, and even wearing the vestments of the deity and so on. So they wanted to show that the love that they were teaching about that it was grounded in renunciation. And so they showed a very high, overtly high standard of renunciation. We don't find that in most of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's associates, but in the Gosamis, who are very dear to us for a number of reasons, one of which is they were commissioned by Mahaprabhu to show the way to teach by their example. Ramananda Roy wasn't commissioned by Mahaprabhu to teach by example. You have to look pretty closely. In fact, Mahaprabhu sent somebody to him to hear Harikata from him, and he came back bewildered by the way he was conducting himself. He was teaching young girls how to dance before the deity of Jagannath. Well, what does a renounced person have to do with you know, teaching girls how to dance? <laughs> Mahaprabhu told that fellow, go back and listen to him again. He's an extraordinary person. So the Goswamis, anyway, they were teaching by their example. Not that we can then follow everything in their example and adopt the standards of renunciation that they adopted. There was a time and a place for that. Pujapat Chudar Marsh once said they took 
jewels and made a garland out of them. And in doing that, the first thing that you have to do is drill a hole through the jewel. That's the hard part. And you take the thread and put it through. That's the easy part. So he said, they have drilled the hole and left us to take the thread and garland Krishna. That was their kindness, their mercy. So, this way, I would say, difficult to understand the activities of a Vaishnava. Mahaprabhu was singing a love song, but Rupa Goswami could understand what was in the heart of Mahaprabhu. Once Pujapad Sridharmar said that the uh, secular music in the Dham, he's living in Navadweep, is more spiritual in the Kirtan outside of the Dham. It's a pretty strong statement. <laughs> so I, I was doing Kirtan outside the Dham, and one of the devotees told me that. I mean, I had heard it, but he said, you know, what is your Kirtan? Secular music in the Dham is more spiritual than your Kirtan outside the Dham. I don't know really what point he was trying to make, but I said to him, I said, yes, the example is there of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He's singing secular music in the Dham. That if you be a resident of the Dom, that's a big thing. You can live on the surface of it or you can be a resident. So if you're a resident of the Dom, then you will appear to be singing secular songs about love. And in other words, in the Dom, in Vrindavan Dom, for example, they're not writing songs about Narayan. Om Narayan, Om. No, it's not like that. Neither would that be appropriate. Om Narayana, Om. Swaha. This is it's a different kind of music. When we do, <laughs> I remember in South India, I was visiting the Sringamarsh's moth and they installed deities of Radha Govinda and uh, they had Madhva Brahmins come and do the thing, the yagya. They did all this huge, elaborate yagya. And then we performed Sankirtan and they all stood back and looked at us like, well, that's really different. That's really, <laughs> what is that? It's a whole, it's a whole different uh, religion as they saw it. So what does it mean to be a resident of the Dham? In the Dham, the inhabitants of Vrindavan, they're not singing religious songs as far as in their consciousness. They're singing about their son, about their friend, about their, about their lover, about their place, about Govardhan, about the Jamuna. <laughs> they're attached to their homeland like ordinary people. Are this is our example, really our ideal. So Mahaprabhu, anyway, he was singing like this, a love song. If you are really a resident of the Dom, that's a fact. If you're really in the Dom, and that's a... Where is the Dom? We're told it's not a geographical area. To think that sometimes it measures by so many kilometers or croches or whatever. But then it's also told it's Nam Dom Aparad to think that it's contained within a certain geographical area. And I was interviewed the other day by that gentleman whom I mentioned this morning. He said, well, where is this, you know, Krishna... How many miles do you have to go to <laughs> into outer space where you meet him? Something like that. So, of course, where is anywhere? This is the question. Where is anywhere? Where are we? How many people in the room? We're in that many different places, isn't it? It's all a question of uh, where our mind is, where our consciousness is, what we see and uh, what we don't see. So, the Dham is found in the heart of the devotee. Where is that pastime being performed? Somewhere always in the heart of some devotee, it's always going on. So we have to make our heart such that the drama of Krishna Lila will be coming to a place near you, in your heart. So we have to erect the stage of 
Sharanagati, on which the drama of Krishna Lila will be performed. Bhakti itself, for that matter, is performed on that stage. So Mahabharata, at any rate, he was singing what appeared to be a love song. But Rupa Goswami could understand his mind. So he wrote it, his own verse about that. And Mahabharata saw that and said, how could you know my mind? You must have got the grace of Sarup Damodar. He knows my mind. And Narottam prays, when can I know Chaitanya's mind, who knows the mind of Jagannath, by the grace of Rupa Goswami, who knows the heart of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? Where when will all those things come within me? To know what is, this is Guyamakhati Prichati, we say, love. We want exchange of heart. We want to conduct ourselves in such a way that someone who has some secret in their heart about Krishna will share that with us. Mostly we want to just share our problems with sadhus, and they're kind enough to listen and give advice. Rupa and Sanatana were like this. We're told in Vrindavan, people came to them with common, ordinary problems. My wife did this, my husband did that, and so forth. And they sat and they gave good counsel. They were willing to give counsel on such a level. They endeared themselves like this to the people of Vrindavan. And said when Sanatana Goswami would walk in the brudge and come to an area where people were staying, the children would run and grab his hand, hold him, walk with him. And they loved him so much that they forgot to show him the respect that a sadhu is normally given. And, of course, they revealed their hearts for those who wanted to listen in so many volumes of books and so forth they wrote, and they were commissioned to do so. So we pray to them like Narutam Dasdak, or when will, by the grace of Rupa Goswami, my Gurudev, our Guru Parampara, I know the heart of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who revealed the heart, the mind of Jagannath. And for, say for centuries, what extent was it understood was going on, but to what extent it was understood, that was brought out by Mahaprabhu. What is Jagannath? What is the temple? What is Jagannath? What is this uh, Gundicha? Gundicha was the uh, temple of the queen king of Puri, queen had a temple. So the pastimes, and times gone by, and so the deity would go, Jagannath, from the temple of Jagannath on the Rath, the chariot, with Baladev and Subhadra, his brother and sister, to Sundarachal, it's called, or Gundicha. Stay there for a week and then come back. So very many different ideas, what it's all about. And Mahaprabhu taught what it was about. At the end of the Ratiyatra, or when, the, I should say, when he reached Sundarachal and stayed there. Of course, before he went there, Mahaprabhu would bring all of his associates and cleanse the Gundicha temple. He saw it as Vrindavan, Sundarachal. It is a mountain of beauty. Nilachal means this uh, Jagannath's place. Nil means blue, so like I said, it's a color of royalty. Royalty, or the king, has gone off with a village girl. What is the power then of that girl in that village? So there he goes, there he stays. But after staying there for some time, at the end of the Rathiyatra, then there's, uh, before he returns, he goes for a week and then he returns. Here in the United States we do it for one day, he goes to the park and then it's over. But we're supposed to remember the whole affair. He goes in a day, stays for a week, and then he comes back. And when he was residing in Jagannath at Sundarachal in Gundicha, then Raj Prataparudra, during the time of Mahaprabhu arranged, well, this would go on anyway, but he arranged it for Mahaprabhu that he and his associates would have front row seats and the uh, Hare Panchami festival 
and a drama was enacted. So the drama is that Lakshmi, who's the consort of the Lord, it means she's all the queens combined of Dwarka, and Mahalakshmi herself, the Lord of Narayan, all combined together in one, and all of their anger put together. (laughs) 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 This uh, jealous anger, something like that. This is uh, an important part of romantic love, lover's quarrels. You don't want to get in the middle of that. So all that combined together, she comes out and she's very angry. Why? The the Jagannath has stayed away for too long. He left the temple and uh, on the plea of having some kind of allergy or something like that. So he wanted to get out into the open spaces. So Lakshmi gives permission. Yes, you can go. That's fine. But I want that your brother and sister will go along too. (laughs) Because what is the implication? If you're with your brother and sister, then, you know, especially Daoji, older brother, you're going to be watched over a little bit. And so she knew he had some tendencies like this. <laughs> That's in his chart, Krishna. If you study his astrological chart, you see that he's like that. Question of fidelity. So they go together, all three of them. But still... They've been gone for a while, so even though she sent Baladev and Subhadra to watch him, the idea is that he doesn't run off with the gopis, doesn't run off and head for Vrindavan and stay there. And He says, I've got an allergy, I want to take a break, go out and get some fresh air, I'm going to take a walk, something like that. And permission is granted, but she's suspicious. And time goes on, and she's watching, watching, he's taking more and more time, so she becomes enraged. And all the jealous anger of all the queens and Lakshmi combined come together in her practically. And the drama is performed then. Mahaprabhu's associates were watching with great pleasure this kind of expression in drama of the uh, jealous anger of Lakshmi and like Satyabhama of Dwarka. And I would show that sometimes in Dwarka Leela. And even more than that, Lakshmi came out with her attendants and they arrested the Jagannath's servants and started beating them and it's all in, you know, in drama like this but Mahaprabhu was taking great pleasure in this, seeing this and then he asked his devotees to talk about it. Who did he defer to? He said what's going on here? Swarup? He asked Swarup Damodar. Swarup Damodar was the expert on Rasatattva so that if any offering, written offering, poetic offering would be um, presented to Mahaprabhu, it would not reach his ears unless it had passed the test of Surupdhamadar in terms of consideration of rasa and tattva, siddhanta. And if it didn't meet his standards, then it would be rejected. So he turned to Surupdhamadar and says, what kind of jealous anger is this? This is incredible. You heard about Satyabhama and others, but this is even more extreme. She's actually beating up his attendants and so forth. So, an extraordinary uh, affair. And so a debate was arranged by Mahaprabhu between Srivast Thakur and Srup Damodar. And um, Srup Damodar said, well, he's gone to Vrindavan. And the question arose, Mahaprabhu said, why didn't he take Lakshmi with him? So Mahaprabhu was trying to teach us. Why didn't Jagannath take Lakshmi with him if he's going to Vrindavan? 
And the simple answer is, well, these two don't go together, as I've said. They're two very different conceptions. So this has to be sorted out by us. We have to listen very carefully to sadhus and bhagavatam and so forth and sort all these things out so that our spiritual conception, our conceptual orientation will foster the kind of bhakti that will enable us to enter into the heart of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and know and understand all these secrets and be able to tell these kind of stories ourselves, have realization. Therefore, Bhagavatam says, Nasta Praeshu Abhadreshu Nityam Bhagavata Seva. You have to listen very carefully to Bhagavatam. Pay attention every day. Hear Bhagavatam. It means have good association. Associate with the person Bhagavatam. Read Bhagavatam. You have to start to use your intelligence in Krishna service. This will help your bhajan to go from anishta to nishta. You know, if you use your intelligence, then apply it in Krishna consciousness, then you're in trouble there because you're cornered. You know, your mind wants to go somewhere else, but you know better. You've heard too much, either too much good logic and reasoning to ground you in your practice. You know, so that's why we avoid good association so that we can have the freedom, as we think of it, to follow our mind and our senses and so forth. But the more we have association with the person Bhagavad through seva, serving that person, and hearing Bhagavatam, and really trying to understand all these things, it's, you get cornered. It's very difficult. You have to look at yourself and say, my God, I, I mean, I just can't be a hypocrite anymore. It's too difficult. <laughs> I've been cornered here. My mind has been cornered from all sides, and there's no escape. So that's what these gatherings are for, something like this. And then we can sort out also where it is we're going. What, what is Dwarka? What is Vrindavan? What is Mathura? What is Jagannath Puri? So that our religious conception is not just a kitchery, kitchery where you just throw a whole bunch of things together and boil it and that's it. No, but it's a really refined plate, feast, with so many subtle tastes and so forth. And we should know what goes with what, what doesn't go with what. Like this. You have to be like a connoisseur, like a, that's a rasika, connoisseur, like a special chef. Gourmet chef, something like that. Cook like that. So, some discrimination. This is the ideas required. This is the function of intelligence, the power of discrimination. So, to apply that in bhakti. Yes, we have to give our heart, but if you give your heart, then what's supposed to happen is the body is going to go too, mind is going to go, intelligence is also going to go. Everything follows the heart. So if you're not giving your intelligence, don't tell me you're giving your heart. No. Then it's just a sentiment. You're not giving your heart. If you have to give your heart, body, mind, intelligence, all be it fully taxed and exercised. When we say give your heart, heart over head and so forth, it doesn't mean that you become dumb, stupid. No. But let the heart rule and take you into bhakti and take your mind into bhakti. Let the heart take your intelligence into bhakti also. When ruchi comes, then... Intelligence is subordinate. It becomes subordinate to the heart. It's always subordinate to the heart. Before that, in our bhajan, it's not coming out yet. Heart is not coming out. Bhajan is unsteady. So apply your intelligence. Sort these things out. Apply it. Understand tattva. And then, as you're cornered by your intelligence, as the Bhagavatam, like I said, it says, come on, bring your argument to me. Bring it. Come on. You want to argue? You want to resist? Then come. I've got 18,000 poems here for you to read, to discuss, and thousands and thousands of pages of commentary. So I've already presented my case, Bhagavad says. 
Okay, let's hear your arguments. Come on, bring them. Go through the whole thing. Go through the whole satsandarbha. Then commentary on Bhagavat. Go through the whole thing with all your doubts and reservations. Don't just stand back with your doubts and reservations. Bhagavat says, come on, bring them. I'm prepared to talk to you about it. People think they know better or they, they've understood Krishna consciousness. How much do they apply themselves to study all the arguments of Bhagavat and the Gosamis and so forth? Krishna says the same thing. What does he say? Siddhanta buliyate nakarayla ulas. He says, your mind will become strong by this, by this exercise. You'll become fixed up. Your budget will become from unsteady to steady. So power discrimination, that should be used. It should be used in Krishna's service. To say to give you heart, that means that's not an excuse to be dumb, to be intellectually lazy. A fellow told me once I was giving a talk and I try not to talk as much these days, but in those days talks were even longer. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, he said to me, uh, you know, Maharaj, uh, whatever happened, like, just chant Hare Krishna. You know, why, in other words, he's saying, why all this philosophy and, you know, all these points have to be considered and so forth? And I said to him, you tell me what happened. Why not just chant Hare Krishna? Why don't you just chant Hare Krishna? You tell me. Is that what you do? Why don't? I'm asking, why don't you? This is why you don't. <laughs> Because you don't listen to all these discussions and you aren't prepared to, to reason it out so that you, you really don't have any room to do anything else unless you're a hypocrite and you know it and it's difficult. This is why you don't just chant Hare Krishna. Therefore, there should be someone again to help us. That kind of conceptual orientation will foster the practice of bhakti. And if it's proper conceptual orientation, it will foster shuddha bhakti. And shuddha bhakti means that all these things will be sorted out. What is Dwarka? What is Vrindavan? What is Jagannath Puri? They don't want us all mixed together. Mahaprabhu says to Supadamana, why didn't he take Lakshmi with him? Mahaprabhu knows the answer. <laughs> but he wants Supadamana to tell it. Don't think Sarup doesn't know. Don't think those who are close to the Guru don't know. Why are they close? They must know also. Raghunath Das Goswami wanted to hear directly from Mahaprabhu. Mahaprabhu said, hear from Sarup. I put you under his care. You are the Raghu of Swarup. This is a very charming Gaudiya expression. The Raghu of Swarup. Raghunath Das. I put you under his care. He asked again, Srupadamana, ask Mahabhu, I can't hear any direct instruction from him. Again he told, hear from Swarup. But finally he said, I tell you, hear from Swarup, but I'll tell you one thing. You want something from me, I'll tell you one thing. I say this to you, and he knows more than me. That's why I'm telling you, hear from Swarup. He knows more than me. Mahaprabhu, of course, is Krishna. Swarup is Alita Saki. He's Krishna. Mahaprabhu wants to taste the Bhava Vrata, and Alita Saki knows it very well. He's a student of, of her in, in the Leela. So he told Raghunath, I'm not cheating you here. She knows more than me. We want to hear direct from Krishna. We think that might be better than hearing from our Guru. <laughs> Don't think like that. Krishna has come in the form of the Guru, just personally to deal with. Not the Guru is Krishna, but the Shakti of Krishna has come through the Guru. Just, uh, just uh, custom, how you say, like uh, tailored, yes, tailor-made, just for us. So Mahaprabhu said to Sudhupa, anyway, why couldn't Lakshmi go? And Sudhupa gave the answer, oh, if you want to go to Vrindavan, then only the gopis can go.
with Krishna and Vrindavan. We know that Lakshmi tried to go. This is there in Bhagavad. Lakshmi tried to go to Vrindavan. She became attracted to that. Mahaprabhu met Venkatapata in South India and he asked that question. He said, Lakshmi is the most chaste lady. Yes, yes, Venkata said. My question is, they had a very friendly relationship. He was staying there for the Chaturmasya, the four months of the monsoon rain season, hosted by Venkata. Yeah. Special person. They could get Mahaprabhu for four months. People were lucky they get him for one luncheon for four months. So they had a very friendly relationship. And so, in a joking way, Mahaprabhu said to him, Lakshmi is the most chaste lady. She has that kind of reputation. My question is that she's chaste wife of Narayan, but why she wanted to go with Krishna in the rasa, rasa dance. What kind of chastity is that? Venkatabhata, he said, hey, this is nothing to joke about now. We may be friends and intimate, this is nothing to joke about. Lakshmi is most chaste. Krishna and Narayan, they're the same. Same tattva. No difference. This is no clear question of unchastity. Why are you talking like this? <laughs> Mahaprabhu said, yes, yes, that's very good. But I have another question. That she wanted to go with Krishna, that's okay. And join the rasa dance. But my question is, why she couldn't? This Venkata almost passed out to hear this. <laughs> he said, only someone who can ask that question could know the answer. He said, you must be Krishna himself. You tell me. He said, you are over my head now, way over my head, that you would think about such a thing. Now, we could think about it because we've heard about it for years, but to come up with this is insightful. <laughs> this is what Mahaprabhu wanted to sort everything out for us. What's what? He's Krishna himself. He wants to establish Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam and so on, and all everything that goes with that, tattva. So, it's a fact. Lakshmi tried to go to join the Rasa dance. It's mentioned in Bhagavat even. But she was unsuccessful. She went in Bailvan, one of the daughters of An, four, twelve forests of Vrindavan. She stayed there, did penances and austerities. And, and this is a big thing for a royal lady to go and sit in the forest and eat roots and the leaves that drop from the trees and things and fast and take all the jewelry off and so forth. She's Lakshmi. Lakshmi means the goddess of fortune. Any fortune we have comes from her or her reflection, her material manifestation, chanchal, she said to be, in that form. It doesn't stay with anybody for too long. You may be rich in this life and the pauper in your next at her discretion. So the very personification of wealth and opulence to live as a fasting and with uh, all her ornaments off and so forth, this is a huge thing for her to do. Huge. But she stayed there for a long time and she was unsuccessful. It said that Krishna came and appeared. I said, Lakshmi, what are you doing here? He says, I've come here. I wanted to enter into the Rasa dance and get that kind of benediction that the gopis, these village girls, got from you. He said, oh, well, this isn't the way to do that. You come here and just perform austerities like this? You can't do it like that. She said, well, what do I have to do? He said, well, do you know how to... Uh, you know how to make cow dung patties? <laughs> she said, my God, no. Oh, not iron. No, that's for the, you know, for the bungies. <laughs> not for me, I'm Lakshmi. <laughs> you know, there's a class of people in India that do, that do that. They collect the cow dung patties and so. Said, well, what about milking? Are you any good at milking? I don't milk the cow. I drink milk. 
<laughs> but to actually milk? No. Wow, this is a problem. <laughs> we have to learn about all these things. And then on top of that, he said, you have to give up your husband. And before she could catch her breath, he said, then you've got to marry somebody else. And then you've got to give up him. <laughs> you've got to marry a gopa. And you give up Narayan, your husband. Marry a gopa. Give up that gopa and join me in the middle of the night. This is the way to go. <laughs> so this was impossible for her. Absolutely impossible. She couldn't do that. This is the way, through the example of the gopis, can enter into this highest quarters of Vrindavan. Everyone there has some association with Krishna, but nobody has such intimate association with gopis. Some of Krishna's friends get close also, but still, gopis' position, following in the mood of Radha, that is the apex, the zenith of possibilities. Of course, that possibilities depend upon other possibilities, so it's all the cohesive unit, Dasya, Bhaktsalya, Madhurya, mostly Sakya, Dasya is mixed with that, Yan, Mitra, Maho, what is it? Ho Bhagyam, Ho Bhagyam, Nanda Gopa Vrachokasam, Yan Mitram, Paramanandam, Puna Brahma Sanatanam, all friendly dealings, Yan Mitram, Paramanandam, the Param Brahma has become the Mitra, the friend of these people, Gopa people, headed by Nanda Maharaj. That's all in support of the romantic uh, affair. But Gopi's approach, this, this is the highest. And Lakshmi wanted to taste that. She had to follow their way. But she could not change her ego. She's Lakshmi. So penances and austerities, that won't change our ego very much. No. That will make your heart harder, even. You'll become uh, mean. Yeah, mean-spirited, hard-hearted. It's like this. If I can enjoy it all, then I'll sit in the corner <laughs> and make a protest. This is, this is the Gyan Mark. Kama Mark, you're just trying to enjoy everything. It keeps coming back. You can't do it. You can't do it. It's all right. And I passed. I'll go in the corner. I'll pout. That's all. <laughs> okay. Then I don't want anything. Then I won't be. If I can't have it, I won't do it. won't do anything. She had a very wrong approach to it. You can't change your ego like that. People are very fond of this, and they call it the ego killing in the contemporary spiritual marketplace. This is not how to kill your ego. First of all, who's going to kill it? It's you, so you have an identity. If they're going to kill your ego, then somebody's got to do the work. That's you. What is the ego? Ego is identity, and our identity is that of an enjoyer. An enjoyer. We are an enjoyer, a taker. So if you're going to give a death to the taking ego, then what could be a greater death to the taking ego than to transform it into a serving ego? This is the antithesis of that. From a taking ego to no ego, what's that? It's again, that's just pouting in the corner. And you make yourself think, you feel really big. I'm not taking, I'm not taking, I'm not taking. And taking is just about suffering, really. So, I'm not suffering, I'm not suffering. I don't want to suffer, I don't want to... It's all about me. So to change this enjoying ego to a serving ego, this is to really give a death to the material ego. You know, if you dig a hole and then you bury something in that, and then you build a temple on top of that, it's gone. (laughs) 
like that. So you take this enjoying ego, you put it in the ground. That's renunciation that comes in the context of bhakti. We also stop exploiting, taking, right? But just to stop taking, that's not enough. Therefore, that thing may grow up again. You put it in the ground, like bamboo, you bury it, the roots just keeps coming up anyway. You put it in the ground, bury it, now you've got to build a temple on top of it. No chance to come up whatsoever. This is bhakti idea. And that temple, this is the spiritual ego, spiritual identity. What's wrong with individuality? People so against this in the name of non-duality. What is non-duality? What is unity if there's nobody to unify? Like I said, if you take one stone and throw it in a pool, it will create ripples. pool is still, looks nice, but now some variety. Beautiful ripples, concentric, going all perfectly, mathematically perfect. Perfect math, beautiful art. You take another stone and throw it in the same place. Another, another hundred and eight, thousand eight stones, all in the exact same place. Beautiful, concentric. If you say it, throw them in different places, then it'll be a problem. So, everyone centered on one thing, service to Krishna, makes for unity and variety at the same time. This is the doctrine of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Atintu Veda, Veda. One and different simultaneously. So, Lakshmi... She's the servant of Narayan, but she couldn't take up this path of the gopis. So in this Leela, Herr Panchami, Mahaprabhu is instructing us about this through Surup Damodar. He had told earlier in his trip in South India, as I was mentioning to Venkatabhata, that he asked why she couldn't enter there. She's the chaste lady. But in doing that also, he demonstrated what? Who's the most chaste lady in the universe? Lakshmi has the reputation of being the most chaste. And Radha has a reputation of being unchaste. But actually, she's the most chaste lady because Lakshmi is only a partial manifestation of Radha. If she's chaste, how much chaste must Radha be? And what is the proof? Lakshmi wanted to consort with Krishna. Does it ever enter the mind of Radha to consort with Narayan? Never. She can never entertain such an idea. For that matter, Narayan cannot even come before her. She's so chaste that Narayan is embarrassed by her chastity. If Narayan tries to come before her, he'll turn and his four hands will go away, two hands will come out and the flute will show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then she will grab the flutes and he will run after her. <laughs> That's what's happening in Ratyatra. Radha's coming before Jagannath and he's running from the throne after her. When Mahaprabhu saw Jagannath, he saw Shamsundar playing the flute. He didn't see Krishna in Dwarka with his Sudarsan chakra. Chakra's there. Mahaprabhu didn't see it. He only saw Krishna, Shamsunda, with the peacock feather and playing the flute. He's in the mood of Radha. In Raslila and Gita Govinda, it's also mentioned in, in uh, Bidagda Madhava of Rupa Goswami, his drama, that um, Krishna came before gopis in forearm form as Narayan. They paid obeisances to him. Narayan, oh, please show us where is Krishna. When he did the same thing to Radha, he tried to show himself as Narayan before Radhika. He couldn't. He couldn't manifest the four arms. Her love is synonymous with him. This is the Chinta Beda Beda. That's why we are so fond of pursuing the hearts of devotees. That's where Krishna is. This is Krishna. Serve the heart of the devotee. If we get a devotee to a real his or her heart, Guhiyamakati Prichati, as I said, 
like Narottam is praying, when I know the heart and mind of Mahaprabhu, this is love then. We've acted in such a way that such a thing they would want to share with us. And we know we're, we're getting somewhere. So Mahaprabhu taught like this, that uh, in Ratha Yatra, he's helping us through Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami's pen to sort all these things out in the midst of Ratha Yatra. What is Dwarka? What is Vrindavan? And how Gopi's love is taking Jagannath off the throne and bringing him to this uh, Gundicha. And Gundicha represents Vrindavan. There's another way in which sometimes this Ratha Yatra is told. It's very nice. As I said, the story is told in different ways, all with the same point. Krishna's hearing somehow or other about the brudge, and it goes in the trance, he becomes bewildered. Narada comes, he's concerned what to do. Uddhava comes. Uddhava has some acquaintance with Vrindavan, he's been there, he was sent there by Krishna. So he knows this is the Vrindavan Jwara, the fever of Vrindavan. He's got the fever of the Braja Jwara, that's a powerful weapon. You know, there's the Shiva Jwara and the Narayana Jwara. <laughs> this is the Braja Jwara. He's got the Braja fever. This is a serious problem. He could never return from this. May never come back from this. But Uddhava, although he knew about it, he didn't know how to cure it. After all, as I said this morning, when he went to Vrindavan, he couldn't cure the problem. The wise Uddhava was sent there. And um, as smart as he was, as, as learned as he was, he couldn't answer the questions of the gopis. The person is not used to having questions that he can't answer. He's Shastravit. He's Krishna's counselor. He's giving advice to Krishna. So what a competent person Krishna sent to console the gopis, to bring them a message. He gave them the message, and then they responded. They had a question or two. He couldn't answer them. He was totally bewildered by the standard of their love. Why we love Krishna selflessly? Why he's gone away? Why he doesn't come back? What could Uddhava say? He couldn't answer. As I said, he was there to tell them to stop crying. Don't cry. God is everywhere. And fortune, destiny brings people together, providence, and separates them. Nothing we can do about that. There's no reason to cry. Don't lament. Think of Brahman. <laughs> think about Brahman <laughs> think of Brahman and then he thought they're thinking about Brahman they're, they're crying for Brahman and I'm supposed to tell them to stop crying who does that they have such a passion for Brahman that it's making Brahman dance and play a flute and, and feel incomplete the complete whole him who is everything he feels incomplete in the face of their their love Uddhava was completely bewildered, so he didn't feel fit on this occasion to do much about it. What could he do? So we call Baladev. Okay, Baladev, he's from the Brudge. He knows. He's familiar with this kind of fever. But there's a problem, of course. He could catch it. <laughs> he might catch the fever too. It's contagious. If you don't have the vaccine, or if you, then it's contagious. So dangerous. Baladev said, I better keep a little distance here. This could happen to me, next thing, you know. So, bring Subhadra, sister. Maybe she can do something. Got to take him back to Vrindavan, she says. We've got to bring him back to Vrindavan. That's the only way he's going to come out of this. But if we go to Vrindavan, then the people in Vrindavan, they're going to get so excited and so forth, it's going to be traumatic. We've got to do something. We've got to get there ahead of him and prepare the people. 
So my suggestion is I'll go ahead first. You know, and traditionally in Rathiyatra and Puri, then Subhadra is the first cart, then Baladev, and then Jagannath comes last. Chariot prepared for Subhadra, she'll go and tell her, he's, Krishna's coming back. You know, don't get too excited, you know, calm down. He's in a feverish condition right now. He's got the Brajajwara and so forth. She wants to go and prepare everybody. So she goes ahead, then Baladev going behind her. This is the system we put, carry Krishna up, put him on the, somehow, put him on the chariot, take him there. So they go. She arrives, announces, Baladev gets down. And meanwhile, in the Braj, what's happening? Krishna's been away for so long that Radha's got a fever, and she's dying. And this is the whole what's going on in the Braj. The news is coming that Krishna's coming back, but everybody's concerned. Radha's dying. Everybody in Vrindavan is going and, and paying respect to her and making confession to her. All this time I've opposed you, Jatila comes. I claimed that I was the most chaste lady, your sister-in-law, that you were unchaste, but it's not a fact. I know you're the most chaste lady. Chandavali comes and says, oh, I try to get Krishna's attention, but I know he only wants your attention. I'm actually servant of you only. Radharani's so-called husband, Abhimanyu, comes and says, I'm not really your husband. <laughs> That's not, that, not a fact. It's all just a drama. Krishna's your husband. Please don't die. Vrindabhaneshwari, you're everything <laughs> to us. You are the whole of Vrindavan. Without you, Vrindavan has no meaning whatsoever. You're the Siam Shakti. We are all just partial manifestations of you, all Shakti Tattva. You are the leader of all the devotees. The ideal of devotion, deity and ideal of devotion in one. Oh, they're making a plea to her. Of course, it's too late. Then, of course, they bring Krishna down finally. He comes from the throne and he comes. So they quick, come, show yourself to her, bring her back. And he sees her and then he, rather than get cured, he goes deeper <laughs> and he gets frozen there and he cannot move and so forth. This is Rathayatra then. It's all the same story. Taking Krishna back to Vrindavan. He's got the Braj Jwara, the fever of, of the Braj. And, uh, of course, then some sweet words are exchanged. And Radharani comes back from death, near-death experience. She comes back and they're united. This is the idea of Bodhi Vaishnavism, to unite Radha and Krishna. This is what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu wanted to do. Give us this kind of seva. So, Rathiyatra is something about this. And it's about entering into understanding the heart of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And becoming an opportunity to really help us to become deeper in our devotion and our understanding. So tomorrow we'll go to the festival and do kirtan and so forth. So you have to think about all these things, not just, oh, Haribo, how are you? And that's okay too. Actually, Rathiyatri is a social event. You know, and Bhagavata is a social event. But you have to be like that. You have to move and interact with everybody, but you have to be Chao Chi Khan's man. That's all. You have to be Krishna's man. <laughs> So you have to interact with everybody. Just, just hello, hello, Haribo, how are you? But something on your mind all the time. I want to become Krishna conscious. I want to become Krishna conscious. Don't just get, lose sight of what you're doing, your sadhaka. You lose sight of it. No. You can interrelate and react with others and so forth in the context of being a sadhaka. This is, as I say, it's a social event. If you read Bhagavatam, it's a social event. They're all there. Nanda, Yashoda, they meet Devaki and Vasudev. Oh, I haven't seen you for so long. Haribo. <laughs> mm. How are you? And so forth. 
all this interaction is going on, everyone's heart is raging for Krishna only. That's all. Only raging for Krishna. I haven't seen you, and I think of you. Who are you? I remember you. You served our Gurudev like this. And like I'll go there, we see so many people come out of the woodwork, you know. <laughs> and I see them, and I just look through them. Somebody on roller skates, you know. Haribo! <laughs> just got to look right through that and say, Oh, Haribo, I remember you. You served our Gurudev like this. That's who you are. Yes. You think of it like that. You have to identify with people like that. What is their seva? How they served our Gurudev? That's who they are. Think the best first. So think of them in this way. Otherwise, that other thing, that has nothing to do with them. Roller skates and all that. That's somebody else. You don't see that. Don't get distracted. You'll see a lot of that. So <laughs> you don't get distracted <laughs> by that. <laughs> you have to look through. Haribo. And try to see like this, and try to identify with people like this, relate like this. What is their service? That is their swarup. That's who they are. That's when they're at their best. So try to see the best in everyone. See their swarup. When you see your godmother, your god sister after a long time, you think, oh, and he means this to Guru Maharaj, she means that to Guru Maharaj, and relate on this way. Then you can have happy social interaction. On the surface, this looks like a party. Like Radhyatra, but everybody's heart is raging for Krishna and for Guru Seva, like this. Any question? So, we have Arctic and then a little Prashad. Please, I know you ate earlier today, but festival, so please take more Prashad. Sriman Mahaprabhu ki jai, Jagannath Swami ki jai, Jagannath Radhyatra ki jai. Gaur Bhaktabindu ki jai, Gaur Premanande. Gaur Premanande. Gaur Premanande. Gaur Premanande.